Tonight's episode of The Amazing Race 32 recap here on Robin's podcast is sponsored by our friends over at BetterHelp Online Counseling. If you think you might be depressed or feeling overwhelmed or anxious, uh, no in particular reason why you might be feeling that way uh, this week and want to talk to somebody about it, BetterHelp Online Counseling offers licensed professional therapists who are trained to listen and to help with issues including anxiety, grief, depression, relationship uh, conflicts. So we do uh, see those pop up from time to time, even on the amazing race, trauma, anger, family conflicts, self-esteem, and more. All you have to do is you fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with your counselor in under 48 hours. You can easily schedule secure video or phone messages, plus exchange unlimited messages to communicate with your therapist at your convenience. Everything you share is confidential. I got the chance to try it out, and it couldn't be easier to talk with someone at a time when it's very difficult to get together in person with a counselor. If for any reason you're unhappy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time at no additional charge. Join the 1 million plus people who've taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced BetterHelp counselor. BetterHelp is an affordable option and our listeners get 10% off their first month with the discount code RHAP. Get started today at betterhelp.com slash RHAP. Talk to a therapist online and get help. Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Cicerino back with our Amazing Race uh, recap for episode number four. And four alone, because uh, this was scheduled to be a two-hour Amazing Race. It ends up being uh, just one, but still a lot to cover with our Amazing Race team. Of course, first, let's bring in our chief Amazing Race correspondent, Jessica Lee. Jess, how are you? Well, I'm as good as can be expected, Rob, considering that the entire country is in a never-ending non-elimination leg. Yes, as of recording time, you never know. Uh, things uh, things could change at any minute, of course. Uh, here with us, a man who never changes, uh, the great Mike Bloom. Yes, I'm unlike a pyramid of watermelons, as stable as possible. I just got it's got you got to work on one side at a time. If you go layer by layer, that's when your stability collapses. That's right. Okay. Uh, nice to be uh, back with you uh, for a uh, much needed distraction to talk about the amazing race uh, this week. And so originally, this was supposed to be a two-hour episode tonight. We talked about that all last week. But then uh, late in the game, uh, CBS uh, added an hour of election night coverage to their Wednesday night lineup. And they did election coverage at 10 p.m. Eastern. So we got the amazing race followed by a repeat of SWAT uh, rather than the second episode of The Amazing Race. Uh, Maybe they had some ads booked against that second episode of uh, SWAT or the rerun of SWAT. Uh, So The Amazing Race, I assume, uh, Mike, should we think that next week's Amazing Race will be a two-hour episode? Who the hell knows at this point? Because (laughs) apparently if I'm CBS, Lord knows my people need their, their SWAT reruns. So if that apparently is, is up there on the level with, with new Amazing Race, you know, I know another two-hour episode was scheduled for two weeks out. I think the most logical decision would be let's just take leg five, the Paris leg, and just push it back. And so we do two weeks of double episodes. But who knows? This might have just, again, much like a pyramid of watermelon said everything sort of tumbling down in terms of scheduling this thing. Okay. I was going to say, Rob, how dare you prevent me 
from watching that repeat of SWAT. <laughs> well, we talked last week about all of the uh, cardboard cutouts from. Uh, oh, actually, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm mistaken. It was uh, the, I'm thinking of the Shamar Moore uh, cutout from Criminal Minds. Uh, not they don't think they have cardboard cutouts from SWAT. Travesty. Yes. Okay. All right. So one hour of Amazing Race. Of course, uh, no exit interview this week as part of our tar pits, but we will be back with a second hour of coverage uh, to uh, talk about the episode, even if there was only one Amazing Race episode uh, this week. You can email us your questions for that show, Amazing Race, at com, And we'll be back this weekend to uh, do our feedback show. But it was a night. Yes, nobody went home. And that was a blessing. Jess for Kaylin and Haley. Yeah, that was a rough, that was a rough leg for two teams in particular. Mm -hmm. And I really can't fault either of them for having trouble because honestly, these tasks were impossible the first time I saw them and they do not appear to have gotten that much easier. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked in the past few weeks about how, you know, some of these tasks were we should bring upon the racer's shoulders. But to Jess's point, when we have the first ever double switchback in Amazing Race history, with the onus being, these are two tasks that teams were barely able to complete last time. Let's see if they can do it again. And you get these results. How, how are these unexpected? That being said, it maximized the amount of chaos and placement rejiggering. So I had a whale of a time in this episode. There was, there was so much jumping around places, even though Kaylin and Haley Really, you know, ever since that sketchy taxi driver went out to go chat with a, a random guy outside his house, it yeah. kind of spelled doom for them. So that's why I'm, I'm happy it's a non-elimination as well. You know what's amazing to me, Mike, is the fact that everybody in this race, like you don't have a team that's just sat at the back of the pack. Like pretty much everybody left has placed in like the top five at some point. Mm -hmm. And I loved the finish order this week because it was just almost an inverse of last week. And everybody was shocked at their finish order for the week. Well, yeah, I was yeah. going to say, not even an inverse of last week, but an inverse of, like, the roadblock to the detour, you know? <laughs> like, look at Michelle and Victoria, who went from third to last to second place in one task. I mean, I, maybe that does say something, you know, my hot take is I think that this was a disproportionately weighted detour. I think it's very clear that the bottles were much easier to do than the watermelons, and I think the placements reflect that. But that being said, sometimes that happens on The Amazing Race. You pick the right side of the detour and it catapults you into a very early part of the episode. Hopefully Victoria not a made... watermelon catapult. Exactly. Even though that is a moment that brings a lot of people together, I hear, as much as a royal wedding. <laughs> so, you know, Victoria must have been disappointing that she's not going to Africa in which she thought Paraguay was located in. But she's got to be happy with this result here. Yeah. And no consumer cellular moment uh, to speak of this week. Maybe I, I don't think there's much to celebrate, Rob. <laughs> yeah. Shamar Moore got the spot on uh, this week's uh, episode. Oh, that's a good question. I, yeah. I guess we should find out from if we have other like CBS show correspondents that they've been showing up in. All I've watched is the same damn 30 second ad for the show. Be positive. Uh, roughly uh, uh, 155,000 uh, 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 uh. times. No, Rob, <laughs> get that trumpet out of my damn head. OK, I don't care if you built it out of garbage. I'm going to bust that thing over my knee. Are you, are you going to take his kidney now, Mike? <laughs> oh, my God. Ugh. Yeah. Just the double switchback. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, do you like it here? Were, were these beloved tasks that you're excited to see come back? Oh, boy, Rob, do I have so many thoughts about this? Because I will say, in general, I am 
aggressively anti-switchback. Oh. Because I feel like if you That'd be you a great detour of anti-switchback or anti-fishback. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, is Sweeven fishback? Yeah. Well, yeah. everybody's going to... switchback. Everybody would just pick the anti-fishback one. No, no. We have to be nice to Steven. Congratulations to uh, new dad, uh, Steven Fishback. Yeah. That, uh, that, uh, yeah. So he was very mu- he kept it very much on the DL, but uh, that Steven Fishback uh, and his wife, Julia, just brought a new baby into the world. Uh, baby Margo. Yeah. Congratulations to Steven and his family. I'm pretty sure uh, he made the announcement by handing the birth certificate to D'Angelo Williams, who like snuck it to everyone else while other people weren't noticing. He's just that, that on the DL. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I think he had D'Angelo come in and build all the furniture uh, for the baby also <laughs> in the nursery <laughs> without any instructions. Yes, okay, but I'm sorry, Jess. I, 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 I detoured you while you were going to tell us about uh, you, how you were aggressively anti-switchback. The next Amazing Race feature is going to be a it's going to be called a hijacking mm-hmm. and it's just where another team is allowed to come in and completely throw you off your game mm-hmm. it's nice for you to preview that for cbs rob um so yeah switchbacks i feel like if you're gonna go the world is so full of interesting things that if you're gonna go back to a place where you've already been you should be able to find five new things. If mm. you can't find five new things, something is very, very wrong. And I feel like the show has been a little bit too liberal with their switchbacks in the past. And there are a lot of tasks that they've done that they've either called a switchback or like tried to sneak it by us like we wouldn't notice. And you know that we are going to notice because mm-hmm. that's our job. Um, and I'm sitting here thinking like, this is the best you can do for this area. Like, why, why are you coming back here if there's nothing new to do here? And granted, some of the things they've done have made very good television. And then sometimes I'm thinking, I don't need to see people pole vault across a ditch for the third freaking time. This is not that interesting. It wasn't interesting the first time you did it. Like, come up with something new, Amazing Race. Uh, but Jess, now they had eggs. Don't you remember that additional element? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wish that the, I wish that all of you podcast listeners could see how hard I rolled my eyes just now. <laughs> Jess, what about a cross switchback? What about uh, stack bottles or ha- mm. do a dance with a watermelon dance with on, a your watermelon head. on your yeah. head? Oh, wow. That's like the dirty dancing <laughs> task. Um, I will say, though, these two tasks are tasks that I do not mind seeing again. Like, oh, good. I, I don't. I don't care if I see people chase a cheese wheel down a hill again. <laughs> That's fine. Leave that one there. But this one, I felt like it was so punishingly impossible the last time we saw it. Like that that bottle half, I don't think anybody actually completed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it was, this, it was this weird thing where actually when it when it premiered yeah, in the Amazing the Race 20, yeah, there were like 50 bottles that they could go through. And once they finished all 50 bottles, they automatically got a penalty. And that's what happened to Rachel and Dave. It was this like hot mess of a leg where they used their express pass because they couldn't build the melons. And they went to the roadblock and they got a two hour penalty and then they still ended up surviving somehow. Uh, so it's, it's interesting that they made reference to it. I don't know if, if the learning curve was that much easier or if it was just an unlimited supply of bottles was able to was was at their disposal but yeah i mean i was i was happily surprised because we have yet to see a penalty on this season of the amazing race so i'm happy to keep that streak going i feel like it's a weird task to put a glass bottle on your head which then often will break on the tile floor and then lay on the tile floor 
where you're breaking bottle I mean, after are, bottle. Are we, are we assuming this is like, uh, you know, like stage glass that it's not actually sharp after you break it? Oh, I I think I remember hearing the last time they did this task that they, it was like stage glass. I mean, when you saw Leon Olana break the bottles over their head in celebration, you would imagine that's the case, right? <laughs> Otherwise, they would have gotten some very heavy medical treatment at the pit stop. I still feel like that that spun sugar fake glass could leave a pretty nasty gash if you fell on it the wrong way. Mm. I don't know, Mike, you're the actor. You tell me. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I haven't been in too many productions of Guys and Dolls to really wrap my mind around, you know, the fake bottle of hooch. Uh, but yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I could have, have you done a lot of uh, theatrical fighting, Mike? Do you yeah, have a stuntman? Yeah, when I was in college, I accidentally broke someone's nose doing a stage fight. Yes, go on. Uh, it was in a production of Oklahoma where a big old fight brawl brouhaha breaks out at the box social uh and i was admittedly a little too close stage combat is all about distance to keep safety i encroached on that distance and i punched a man in the face and broke his nose wow and the worst the weirdest part was because it was me when this person would approach people with a big bandage on his nose and people say what happened and they said mike bloom broke my nose they thought it was a joke <laughs> So I guess I was able to get away scot-free somehow until I just became culpable here. Wow. These hands are lethal weapons. Don't mess with them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Rob, if you had to pick which person on this panel has broken ever broken somebody's nose, nose yeah. <laughs> would you have picked Mike? <laughs> I, well, if, unless you followed up with in a stage production of Oklahoma, then yeah, fingers are pointing okay, right at yeah. me. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. would be the tell. <laughs> in which case, I accidentally break the fingers that are pointing you know, at me. If you buzz in before you hear the whole clue, then that's how you yeah, get screwed what, up. Was it your own nose? <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, listen, I know I have a lot of real estate uh, on my face for that, but luckily, somehow, this thing has remained pretty unfazed in my 30-plus years of life. But who knows? If I had been dealing with broken bottles, there's a good chance this would have gotten sliced open by some of that sugar glass. So, Mike, what do you think is the difference here? Because it was... You know, people went through 50 bottles and then sat there for however long that penalty was last time. And it looked like everybody nailed it this time. Was the routine easier? Yeah, I'm trying to remember in season 20, like, because the routine, honestly, seemed like walk in a few circles and then lay on the ground, which my son does about 20 times every day. So I think it's something that's naturally accustomed to us. I can't remember if it was the same routine in season 20. Obviously, this is something that could not be adjudicated on a curve. Right. Like the bottle, if the bottle falls and breaks, the judge can't be like, oh, well, you did it. Here's your clue. Mm -hmm. So it's not it's not like the task judging was easier. Maybe it was the routine. Maybe the bottles changed. You know, if they were of a different weight, that could have helped or hurt it. Or maybe they benefit from the fact that, hey, one of the teams happened to have not only just watched this episode, but filmed themselves practicing this task can we talk about that what was that what was the first off like it's one thing okay will and james rehearsed okay they watched this episode they practiced this task but just do should we assume that will and james have a library archive of rehearsing every single task from the amazing race rob who was filming it you they had a tripod I'm sure they didn't have a third person in the room, like yeah, the third member of like Stealing Angels. Yeah. The footage from their Nest camera or Actually, something. Actually, Mike, do you think that they're <laughs> filming it to then go back and watch their form to see where the problems are? Yeah, it really is game tape, right? <laughs> like, oh, you see, when you were watching the bottles, you your knee went down. I, but I would not put it past them, considering that, like, you know, I think from the survivor perspective, right, you have, hear the David Wright stories of, I 3D printed all the puzzles and I did them. 
I don't think we have heard the level of preparation for Amazing Race content- contestants to the extent of not like, to Jess's point last week, like, oh, I practiced navigating foreign languages or like, you know, how, how to get from one place to the other. This is a team that said, here is a task from a previous season that we are going to do right now in case it may so happen that we may so happen go to Paraguay and may so happen encounter the exact same task on the race. Mm-hmm. Mike, I got two thoughts on this, actually. Thought number one. How many different film clips do you suppose Will and James have in their library of a weirdly specific Amazing Race task that they practiced and filmed just in case the show needed to show it when the task came up? Like, is this something we we are going to see Mm. again? My second thought is the reason maybe one of the reasons I don't like switchbacks is because most of the time the people performing the switchback have no sense of tradition Mm -hmm. and no institutional knowledge and they're just like oh someone did this before whatever uh I've never seen this show so I don't care Will and James like had some gravitas about it like they knew that these tasks had happened before they were able to make an informed decision based on the fact that they just watched the episode and you really never get that out of a switchback. And maybe Will and James are the entire reason I am not mad at this being a switchback. Okay. This is like the one in a million chance that like that team is actually able to find something. You know, it's it's like this, you know, the survivor of Big Brother super fan being like, oh, my God, I get to do Otev, you know, instead of being like, why is this giant piece of plastic talking to me? There was the there ghost was island r- of Amazing Race. Exactly. The, you know, the bottle matured for a few years, much like the wine, assumingly that was incited into a full out detour task. And so maybe that was that maturation process that needed to happen. OK, um, let's talk about how we got to the switchback. And of course our teams uh, left the Amazon and uh, we saw some commingling. Jess. We didn't get to see the sleepover on the Amazon river, but uh, there was a little bit of talk about the U-turn from the previous leg. There, there certainly was Rob. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are you catching me off guard because I told you in the Slack that I was making dinner and I didn't see the first five oh, minutes no, of the Oh, no, no, I was not. I was not. <laughs> I, I bet. I'm like, Rob's giving me this expected look you didn't like, miss. You didn't miss much there. Please then. analyze Rob. this thing that I know yeah. for a fact Rob, you much didn't like, see. Much like Chi, you have to work on your communication, Work on my Rob. communication. Yes, I will. Uh, uh, that well, I'm, I'm, sorry, I, I'm sorry about that. No, work, work, work on my listening. My lack of but, communication yeah. has been an issue for us since the day we met. You know, Hung keeps reminding me that the more I share the closer we can get and the better we can be as a team yes okay here's a, here's a question rob who has the wider range of emotion chi or murph i knew where this was oh. Going. oh this is a game of inches being, being with uh my partner for this amount of time i've definitely learned a thing or two about <laughs> you can bring that impression back you don't have to change a thing also yeah. i love the idea that we're finding out so much about she and hung's relationship and i love one of the things that's apparently <laughs> the communication has been an issue since day one of their relationship was their meet cute like hi i'm hung nice to meet you hello yeah okay you need to communicate well, with me what's your name wait, okay so here is you know uh here is the the range of emotion uh that is coming from chi my lack of communication has been an issue for us since the day we met. You know, Hung keeps reminding me that the more I share, the closer we can get and the better we can be as a team. And again, here's Hung. <laughs> <laughs> like night and day, opposite to track. This is the Paul Abdul and MC Scat Cat of Amazing Grace 32. <laughs> yeah, so there's a you know, range of emotions there. 
Yeah, well, it really does seem like one uh, balances the other out in that way. But yeah, to go back to what you were saying, Rob. So, yeah, I mean, first off, we found out finally the use for the hammocks. It doesn't indeed appear like they were going to sleep in the hammocks. So mm-hmm. God help them. It really does seem like they were maybe that also influences the way they were performing next leg because it was not that great in general. But yeah, we pretty much got what Leo and Alana were going to said they were going to do last time at the end of the last episode where they'll sort of like make jokes about it, but they're not outright going to be like, Will and James, why did you U-turn us? Which led to some really fun moments later on when there clearly is some pent up feelings. And so Leo is just going to snipe at the camera so much about Will and James during the roadblock. And Will and James won the battle on this one. They ended up getting ahead of them, so they couldn't yield them. But that's that's a seed that I feel like has been planted, is Leo and Seeds, Alana baby. outright... Yeah, exactly. I feel like Leo and Alana saying that they are going to yield Will and James at some point is a nice poppy seed that is being placed in a Tupperware. Chekhov's yield? Yeah, that's going to... I, I think it's got to pop up at some point. Look, we had... This is, what, four legs, and we've had two yield points. There's a good chance this happens every other leg. And so I can imagine there, there'll be some opportunities in the future. Okay. Yeah, I think to that point, Mike, we have to talk about what happened when Leo and Alana got to the yield this time, because it was a very Frankenbitey Frankenbite that showed up at this point. Like, they're not even on camera when this voiceover comes in, and it is at least five different confessionals stitched together to create the sentence. At this point, Will and James were ahead of us, so it doesn't make sense to use the yield. And I would, it sounded like every word was taken from a different interview. Wow. What an ear you have for this. I didn't notice that. Once you start to notice it, Robert, you cannot not notice it. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure Mike heard it too. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm conditioned to the Australian survivor method of Frankenbinding, which is not only to do it audio wise, but visually where if this was the Australian survivor, we would have not only seen heard Leo and Alana five different times. We would have seen them in five different locations at five different pit stops, each giving a word. (laughs) It also looks like, uh, at least from my perspective, it looks like we might be done officially with the pre-race forest background. So I think finally we have expended all of the preseason interviews to find out more about these teams. Are you saying we're out of the woods? Maybe, but I will say that, you know, when we talk the Amazing Race, I don't we're sort of on this. No, I know, Jess, you like to talk about the the like personal story bump that occurs with a lot of these teams. And the first thing we hear in this episode is Kaylin and Haley saying we left home when we were really young. I was 16. I was 15. And there was definitely something ringing in my brain of like, this might not be a good episode <laughs> for them. <laughs> we've got another sad story that you're about to experience in this episode i I have to say i appreciate the branding uh personal story bump is a really good label for it i don't think i had a label and now we do personal story bump okay all right so we are going to paraguay but the teams stop at the airport and will and james uh they are on top of everything they uh find an internet uh kiosk and they go over there and they do some research about where to go and they are printing out maps and so a lot of the tension in the season of the amazing race comes from you have the teams that are in the alliance and then when teams who are not in the alliance show up they are shunned and not given any information. Uh, Mike, do you feel like is there in any in any way like some Big Brother 21 type vibes where it's just sort of like, oh, don't talk to them. They're not part yeah, yeah. of like the uh, the cool alliance. Yeah, just can't wait for the pit stop, next pit stop when they all lock uh, Leo and Alana out of the hotel room and start yeah. chanting and jumping up and down in a circle. It's it's weird because Jess and I spoke about this last week that I think. Collusion on the Amazing Race is 
I wouldn't say rare, rarely shown, um, but not unprecedented. I think one of the biggest examples was the backpack, which was sort of a coalition of three teams in the Amazing Race 10. But I don't think I've really heard of teams, especially at this point in the game, only leg four, really try to box out others. You know, by being like, we have this information that we are only going to share among our teams. It is something very new and makes sense that it is coming from an alliance that has two people that were on reality TV before. Because, again, to your point, it seems like something you would usually use in a cutthroat competition from another show. I don't know how to feel about it. You know, I I feel like there is rarely a line in the amazing race in terms of ethics and morality. But it doesn't make me feel great to be like, Mm -hmm. hey, we have this this extra information and we are going to share it with half the pack. And not the other half, considering that usually the goal of the Amazing Race is singularly and that only one team wins. It, it feels a little, I don't know, counter the mission statement of the Amazing Race to not necessarily not to just work together, but to work together to the extent that you are colluding so much information at the expense of others. I don't know, Mike. I, I think this looks to me a lot like like whatever. I, I don't know if you've ever watched the Tour de France. Um where like all of the really competitive cyclists at the front of the pack that have a shot to win, they all draft off each other for huge chunks of the race. Mm. And um, I think this is like that. I think they're all helping each other to get farther along at the expense of the other teams. But it's I don't mind it if it's just in this season. Like if this becomes the thing that happens every season and we know it happens to some extent, but we've never seen it be this much of the story. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to assume it always happens and we just don't see it. And I just hope it's not a conscious choice of the amazing race to, to make this the story going forward. I thought it was interesting, you know, uh, here with the map where, okay, we're not going to give the, uh, you know, uh, give this printout to Kaylin and Haley. uh, It wasn't that big a deal. I thought it was actually a bigger deal in terms of uh, building the garbage cello in the episode (laughs) when... uh, It's really succinct, Rob. Build a garbage cello. Yeah. Where's Jadis when you need her? Yeah. There was like a lot of like, uh, you know, the teams at the top helping each other. And then it was, oh, don't, don't say anything to Leah because uh he's not part of the group so uh don't give don't give him any information um and i thought that it was a a little uh harder to swallow uh there i didn't like that yeah well i think to your point also yeah i think the maps largely proved inconsequential right because like james and will got a bad cab driver and had to switch yeah it wasn't like their map could have helped get them anywhere (laughs) yeah and a fat lot of good it did them at the cello task because it seemed like Everybody that was going to finish it in a timely fashion finished it in a timely fashion. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much help, you know, we had, we still had the volley bros and you had, and you had Ishwar going, you know, for hours and hours Yeah, and they had all the help in the world. And then I don't know how much help could have helped Kaylin and Haley. Yeah. I don't think, I don't I think they'd still be there. At the end of the episode, just that. Uh, it's been Riley and Madison like figured out the watermelon stacking task and then uh, that where they were like, OK, let's build up one side and then build up the other. And it didn't we didn't at least see that uh, them providing any help to Gary and D'Angelo doesn't mean it didn't well, happen. Or, or hung in Chi. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know that it didn't happen, but I also think they were they were thrown off their game because it took so long at the cello mm-hmm. task. And they roll up to the watermelons and 
it is incredibly hard. They see that they've made some time up. I don't think they feel like they have the luxury of helping anybody out in this in this scenario. Yeah, right. And that's so that's the thing is like we asked about this last week when the alliance got established for each team. How much are they going to assist to an extent? Will and James feels like I think they are the most cooperative in this, right? Or at least they are, from our point of view, the mouthpiece of this alliance. They're the ones talking about it. James is the one being like, I'm so happy we got to share when really it was just it seemed like from an editorial perspective, it was James asking all the questions. It's sort of like, to your point, just drafting off of everyone else, which is a good move. Look, if people are willing to offer that information, do it. But to your point, there might be other team members that are like, I don't really want to ask for help, especially if it's just us three teams possibly at the bottom here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think about how shocked everybody was when they got to the mat and found out their placement. Mm -hmm. I think everybody legitimately thought they were going to be last. Yeah. And at that point, if you know the only other teams, you know, are still in it are the other two teams. You can assume everybody else went to the other detour and is done and you're battling it out to not be eliminated against these other two teams. Leave them there. Screw them. As I was listening to Will talk about the formation of the alliance, I had to double check to make sure I I didn't mishear what he said. During leg number two, we formed a semi-alliance with four other teams. Now, he says uh, during leg number two, but uh, I feel like that I I didn't really hear the word leg great. During leg number two, I kept hearing him say uh, during my number two. Listen, if you can multitask, like bathroom alliance, make it a make it a thing. During leg number two. Yeah. Some people need more support than others in that arena. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, listen, I just I just finished talking about Austin Powers on Post Show Recaps Theater, and someone needs to be that Tom Arnold to the Austin Powers, you know, talk them through it. Yeah, who does number two work for? That's right. Okay. So uh, the teams are going to uh, head to just what the landfill harmonica. Is that the official name of this? It seems to be that. Um, yeah. And I love this kind of improvised artwork, like creating something out of like upcycling. My, my mother, my mother in law is a sculptor and she does like trash sculpture. And calls <laughs> like it upcycling. Yes. Yeah. She's it's very much like <laughs> She's very much is like Jadis in 20 years. Um, yes. my mother-in-law. Uh, don't tell her I said that. <laughs> Can't wait to and see how that movie plays I, out. The thing that I thought was maybe one of the more genius things about this leg was the, about this particular task was the fact that everybody thought the cab driver was completely lost as they went through this. They were like, we're in the middle of a garbage dump. How could this possibly be the task? Is this driver taking us out somewhere to murder us? Mm hmm. Yeah, and, and for a couple of people, they were they just took the, the longer way around. But yeah, I mean, just your, your point about switchbacks was almost hammered home by the fact that I really love this roadblock. Mm-hmm. I think it was like a perfect representation of the cultural aspects of Paraguay that are unique. I think it's a great way to also highlight like a really nice cause as well. Plus, like everyone gets to channel their inner like Fat Albert and the Cosby kids and make their own stuff out of garbage and play yeah. it. And I can't believe how great they sounded. Mm-hmm. Like that, those were actually like. I think part of it is because the it's actually the body of the instrument that's made out of trash, and the rest is like an actual piece of a cello. But I thought I thought the instruments sounded wonderful. Yeah, unless they were using some sort of dubbing, if they like Milli Vanilli did, and they just piped in like the the, the Boston Pops. <laughs> I didn't I hear a lot of want- cello in the sound clip that they were playing. Yeah, I I don't want to think that the, the Amazing Race would do that to that poor orchestra. But maybe they figure mm-hmm. they made they up don't. of kids. 
Yeah. This isn't going to air in Paraguay. We can just put better music in here. Yeah, Mike, how many cellos did they need? Um, well, they, I guess they needed eight. Uh, I guess there are eight kids that are just really hopping for a cello, mm-hmm. or maybe they broke theirs because that's the other. I mean, now they have no excuse, right? When they say like, "Oh no, I lost my instrument. I mean, I broke my instrument." It's like, well, go into the, the the heap, the garbage, and go make a new one, <laughs> and go go. We have no excuse. Go mm-hmm. make a new one. Yeah. All right. Um. So the teams were headed there. Uh. We saw where uh, Michelle and Victoria they got in a cab. They did not. The cab driver didn't know uh, where they were going. They switched cabs. Jess, is that the right protocol? Of if you're in a cab on the Amazing Race, cab driver does not know where you are headed to. Do you, is the move get out of that cab immediately? I don't think Michelle and Victoria were the instigators of that move, Rob. No, I'm and just I saying think, that is that yeah. the. I don't think they invented yeah, that was, it. But that I'm was just very nice it. of that I cab driver well, to no. be like, uh, "Go, go away, fair. I don't yeah. need my. Mm-hmm. I don't need money." That's what I'm saying. I don't think that was Michelle and Victoria's decision. I think that was the driver's decision. He uh, said, "I don't know where it is. Get out." Yeah. And you know, we we have seen this happen a few times on the program before because I know we've had the conversation where we talk about do cab drivers ever throw their fare out and tell them to go find another cab? Um, because I I'm thinking of the first leg of season 27 we had that similar thing but it was more that like the sound guy wanted to take the backrest off of the the driver's side seat so that he could film in the back seat and the driver's like mm. no get out so yeah i think if if it is your decision and there are other cabs around and you know that the driver has no clue where he's going i think you should get a different driver get someone that seems like they know what they're doing but I also think if you are the cab driver and the amazing race is coming through and you don't know where you're going, you owe it to the racers to not take them on a scenic tour of a mm-hmm. Yeah. I also wonder if there's some PTSD from leg two as well. With the where there was a lot, yeah, but there was a mm-hmm. lot of taxi driver situations, even separate from the charger. So they're like, no, 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 no more taxi shenanigans. I don't care if I'm going to be Cinderella here and pick through a bunch of taxi drivers. We're finding one that knows where we're going. Before yeah, we're going to conduct some interviews now. Yeah, like we're going to quiz you. We have this printout of the map. We're going to quiz yeah, you exactly. Where's this? Yeah, yeah. Cinderella was kind of a land philharmonica story of like that they uh, took like a pumpkin and turned it into a carriage and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. They, 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 I mean, yeah, the the fairy godmother is basically from Paraguay. Okay, sure. I don't know how that <laughs> follows, Mike, but okay. Yeah, I don't know. Go with that. I don't know where I was going with that either. <laughs> right, into like- the, right into the trash heap that joke goes. <laughs> yeah. I think you're gonna say that it's like uh, a, a a fable from Paraguay, famously. No. That'd be odd, though. That'd be interesting. It's Paraguay in general just, like, honors the idea from trash into treasure, and so they bring that into every piece of pop culture they touch. Well, I feel like every culture has that story, Mike. The fable Cinderella is a beloved tale told to the children of Paraguay. Yeah, Cinderella in, in Spanish translates to trash queen. Lorena <laughs> de Basura? Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the trash that you had to collect because it. I don't feel like you used every piece of it to build the cello. There was a whole list of things. You had to get like an oil can and a giant barrel and an x-ray. And I can't remember what the an other x-ray. stuff was. Yeah, there was an x-ray. There's a picture <laughs> yeah, of an x-ray. Go get an x-ray. x-ray. Like, Do you use the film? Is there medical something? waste in the trash? Oh, no. Yeah, I, I, get I, two you, syringes. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I, 
I hope you kept your gloves from the last leg. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You <laughs> need two pairs of gloves to go through all the, the possible points. That's why you needed two there. pairs. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but this is also one of those like it's it's a really new task, but it's also very much couched in that amazing race trope of like the devil is in the details, right? Where mm-hmm. like and I love the fact that they were just given an example to go off of, not even like a person doing it. So they really had to just they had to really literally put together both mentally and physically the order of which to do things and i can imagine that was probably the main struggle that had teams lasting from in there from an hour and a half to sometimes like up to three hours was that you had no guidance there was no guidebook you had to look at it and say okay i guess the strings go on last Mm -hmm. but it also needs to go on at a certain point before i put the body together it was like a puzzle yeah. yeah. And I, I saw that. I think that was Madison's problem. He was like, I'm going to put the strings on first because this looks like the hardest thing. And it's like, no, you got to put the strings on last because that's how musical instruments work. And my first impulse was to say, I don't think that being musical would help you at all on this task. <laughs> this was a puzzle solving task and not a music task. And you had everybody picking it on the basis of, well, so, I'm doing all the music tasks. So technically not a five hole for Leo here is what you're saying. Technically not. However, I do think a little bit of knowledge about how to string a stringed instrument would have helped you here. <laughs> yeah. Um, do we want to talk about uh, Kaylin and Haley's wild ride to uh, get to the task? Because uh, speaking of bad cab drivers, they had a woman who uh, didn't know where they were going. And again, landfill harmonica might not have been on every map of the area, uh, but she appeared to just like stop at somebody's house and then go have a chat. <laughs> I hope she knew the person. Uh, but yeah, Let I think the weirdest, part was that, the weirdest part is I think she left, they, she left them in the car. Right. Though I guess maybe the cameras did not preclude him to be like, oh, I really don't. I'm really not good at my job right now. Let's have an international camera crew follow me and have me ask random strangers about where I'm supposed to go. But yeah, I mean, it was a little bit of a weird look. And when, when you're when you're at the mercy of a driver, you never want them to get out of the car and leave you in there as they sort of go finagle a conversation with people off screen. It's it's a weird experience, especially in a high pressure situation like The Amazing Race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Uh Kaylin and Haley, uh, they said it was uh, the worst nightmare, and uh, the nightmare day was only starting. I like uh, one of them said, it was funny at first, but it's not (laughs) funny anymore. At what point was it supposed to be funny? (laughs) Not funny. Not funny. All right. Um, So the team started working on putting together their instrument. D'Angelo Williams felt like that he would be a natural at this. I put stuff together all the time. My number one claim to fame is putting Ikea furniture together. Is that really his number one claim to fame? I feel like there might be so. a few other things. My favorite anybody. part, though, was was Gary nods along fervently as he says that, like, yep, that's very true. I can say as a, as a fellow NFL player that D'Angelo Williams can make a hell of a chair. Yeah. Mike, how are you at the Ikea furniture? Do you ever put any of that stuff together? I so uh, I have a, a type A wife who wants ah. to do it. I, I personally relish it, but it's because I want the instructions in front of me. So, like, again, this roadblock would not be great for me because it's a lot of guesswork and I'm not great at guesswork. Uh, so I, when I have the stuff in front of me, I'm I'm I really love doing it because, again, it's, it's a puzzle, but it's almost like they're walking you through the steps. If I was given a bunch of spare parts and told to put something together, that thing is not going to be structurally sound whatsoever. Mm hmm. Uh, let me just add in for John John who's listening. Uh, save it for IKEA. John John's signature catchphrase. Is that what D'Angelo Williams says when he's handed the instructions after walking in with his IKEA products? Yeah, just it's hard because the the IKEA instructions famously they don't have any words. 
says you're following along the pictures. Yeah, and that that little guy is always so cheerful. Mm-hmm. And midway through the assembling the furniture, I'm like, "What are you smiling at?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, the smile turns from like convincing to almost like menacing. Like, yeah. oh, you, you can't figure it out, can you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, he's a smug little bastard. Yeah, the teams were uh, helping each other out uh, once they get there. The teams from the top five. Uh, by the way, Mike, does this alliance have a name? I, well, I, they initially, I think, refer to themselves in-house as the Mine Five because they were the first five out of the mine uh, in Colombia. But that has not Needs been work. outright named on the show, which, as we know from Big Brother, means it's not an alliance, canonically yeah, speaking. I, I was going to say, this is not Big Brother. We don't need to name our alliance. <laughs> we especially don't need to spend 20 minutes talking about what we're going to name our alliance. Yeah. Though I did like at the beginning, they did a sort of like Brady Bunch style thing where Will and James mentioned the members of the alliance and they sort of flash by <laughs> at the bottom of the screen in little squares to be like, this is yeah. who they are in case you need a reminder. In case you need a reminder, these are the top five. Uh, the teams were uh, sharing the information. Uh, here's, here's the advice on how to build a trash cello. Do you put it in before you put it in the hole, Chi? Put it in the hole and then twist it. Okay. That's it. Well, she's a father of three. He has experience. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Leo shows up. Nobody wants to help out Leo, but uh, he was confident, Jess. He did not get deterred. No, I th- and I think he his confidence was not misplaced. He seemed to do no. a pretty good job. No. Yeah, Leo has uh, been like the the rock of this team uh, after that last week when Alana was uh, having, she was getting emotional about that. Leo uh, has basically been able to uh, really been been a star for this team. I love well, I saucy think, Leo. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the teams work best when there's, and we see this with Hong and Chi too, when there's one team, one team member kind of wears their heart on their sleeve and they emote and they react and then the other team member just kind of anchors them. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get the best of both worlds there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, For a couple of people, uh, this would be a a very difficult task. Uh, We saw uh, Madison was really struggling uh, with this. He would go almost two hours, but uh, it was uh, Iswar and then ultimately uh, Kaylin, who were really going to have problems all day, Mike, with the cello. And I think it doesn't help the fact that they were at a position where they couldn't really get assistance, right? I mean, we've seen certain times that teams that are in the back of the pack might be like, hey, you know what? If we work together, that means that we can finish faster and then get an opportunity to catch up to the other teams. That was not the case here. It seems like they mostly kept to themselves by the end. I do wonder if, again, despite the FAQs that that Will and James are throwing out there, if it really was pretty much like a stick to your own corner type of thing, maybe collude on a couple of like, what do I do next? But considering the order of how things finish, it does seem like everyone pretty much stuck to their own workstation and their own cello. Mm -hmm. I also loved uh, a little fun fact about Michelle and Victoria, aside from being a wonder in the kitchen. Michelle is also a wonder in the orchestra. Her and Victoria were both in the symphony and Michelle not only knows the notes going up, she knows the notes going down. Yes. Uh, well, we know about Michelle's musical ability from the premiere. It's true. Yeah. She plays steel drum and she can build a trash cello. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, there's so much fun, uh, Jess, uh, oh. Michelle and Victoria. <laughs> they had They had such a great week, too. They, they were really... Yeah, they're they're very entertaining. I mean, the great thing about Michelle and Victoria is if they have a bad week, it's really entertaining. And if they have a good week, it's really entertaining. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's not it's not determined by how they do actually in the leg. They're still going to have 
a great time as well. And the fact that, again, they were able to, they came to the roadblock second to last, and somehow they were able to make their way to second overall in the leg just speaks to not only, you know, the roadblock detour. Yeah, exactly. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all that. Uh, but basically, not only the what you know, the chaos of the leg and how all the the placement switched up, but also like what we realized in the premiere, which I think they are a very underhanded threat to at least go far if out, not outright win. Like as long as they're not wandering around for thirty four minutes for a clue in a basket, they're actually a pretty strong team and can position themselves to do really well as long as they have you know a good head on their shoulders. Just do we like it where one of the partners has to wait in an area where they can't see the task? Do you prefer that rather than having the partner like standing over their shoulders so they know how things are going? I mean, it depends because I do sometimes like it when the partner who's not doing the roadblock has to stand around with all of the other partners Mm -hmm. like they're, you know, like they're waiting to pick their kids up from school and they yeah. have these kind of conversations. Of how do you think they're going to do? Oh, I don't know. This doesn't seem like, I like they're going to be good at it. Yeah, yeah. I like that. <laughs> but I also like it when they have the impotent rage at watching their partner completely fail at the task and they know they'd be better at it and they can't say or do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like D'Angelo in week one. Yes, exactly. yeah, and that's why I, I also love that call. It wasn't a, like a, an outright callback, but when we hear who's like who's feeling instrumental, Daniel Williams. I got like, this. I'm doing, I got I'm this. doing this. Yeah. Did you, did you hear about my bloodline? There's music in it. Definitely more than you, Gary. Mm-hmm. Stick to throwing watermelons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sit down, and Gary. Um, Mike, anything else you want to say about the uh, garbage cello task? Um, I will say, I don't know, I I thought it was fun that they got to run it back and, like, listen to them actually perform. It was a really sweet moment where it was obviously a very resonant moment for Hung. Her children are probably of that age, I think she said, so, like, it was actually a a pang of home for them. And I think that was also, for a season that is apparently giving them very little rest sans asleep in a hammock, it was a nice way for, like, them all to take a breath and be like, oh, this is a fun thing to watch. Granted, if you were one of the last teams, it's not a fun thing to watch seven times when mm-hmm. you're waiting on your partner. But I think it's a nice, like, I always like those those roadblocks where you make a thing and then, like, someone uses it. And that, granted, as, yeah. as chintzy as like it may be. a box of roadblocks. Exactly. It shows, yes. like, oh, well, you, this might not be a cello that I would bring to the symphony, but you, <laughs> this is what you made, and I'm going to show it off now for yeah, you. Congratulations. It's not like, it's not like we're going to make something that looks like something that might be useful if someone who knew what they were doing were doing right. it. Right. It's, it's not the thing where you give a homemade gift to someone, they're like, oh, thank you. This is great. <laughs> I'll put it over on this table and admire it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, I want to talk about the uh, national drink of Paraguay. <laughs> Uh, but first, let me take a moment and thank uh, this episode's sponsor of the podcast. Those are our friends over at Honey. The Honey browser extension can start saving you money. Head on over to joinhoney.com slash R-H-A-P to find the promo codes when you're shopping online to start saving you money. Sometimes looking for these promo codes online could feel like you're trying to put together a garbage cello for days that you can't find the right pieces. Nothing is going right. You're there all day. That's where Honey comes in. It's the free browser extension that's going to scour the internet for promo codes and automatically apply the best one available at checkout. Honey is basically your online shopping best friend. Here's how it works. You get Honey on your computer for free and in two easy clicks, you are going to go to joinhoney.com slash R-H-A-P. Then when you're at checkout in over 30,000 
supported sites. Honey is going to pop up. All you have to do is hit apply coupons. And within seconds, Honey is going to search for coupons on that site. If Honey finds working codes, it finds the best one to apply to your cart. I've used it in all sorts of different types of sites, especially this time of year when you're sending uh, gift baskets, flowers. Uh, when I've printed Christmas cards in the past on certain websites that I've used Honey codes to save a lot of money. Honey has found it's over 17 million members, over $2 billion in savings. And Honey supports all kinds of retailers from tech and gaming sites to fashion brands, even food delivery. It's simple. If you have a computer, Honey should be on it. It's free and works with whatever browser you use. You can get Honey for free today at joinhoney.com slash RJP. That's joinhoney.com slash R-H-A-P. Now, I don't know if uh, you could uh, end up ordering online the official drink of Paraguay, but if you could, after this endorsement, I feel like a lot of people would. This is the national drink of Paraguay, Terere. The taste is hard to describe, but the medicinal properties include vitality, vigor, and physical and mental stimulation. Vitality, vigor, and physical and mental stimulation. Oh, I got to say, we... <laughs> yes. I gotta say yes. if you if you ask somebody, how does this drink taste? And they <laughs> say it has it. medicinal properties. <laughs> it's indescribable. <laughs> but it has medicinal properties. I'm like, that's not a selling point. <laughs> I just can't wait for the next episode of Wombat Water when they sample Terere flavors and see which one's the best. <laughs> this is the national drink of Paraguay, Terere. The taste is hard to describe, but the medicinal properties include vitality, vigor, and physical and mental stimulation. What's the difference between vitality and vigor? Well, just ask Chi. (laughs) 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 Physical and mental stimulation as well. Yeah, so I so obviously this so they were given like a Yeti cup to fill and carry with them throughout. Luckily, it doesn't seem like it was a last like thing where like if they checked in without it, their thermos that yeah. Phil would turn them away yeah. at the map. But I wonder how much they they took a dip into it and it's indescribable taste for the rest of the lake. <laughs> well, yes. Will and James seemed pretty fond of it. I also I want to call out that um, <laughs> Phil refers to the vessel as a thermos. Yeah, I noticed that as well. And it turns out that's just like the generic Spanish name for a thermos. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a perfectly valid noun. I just thought it was kind of strange. I thought, is that how the Kiwis say it? But no, mm-hmm. it's how the Paraguayans say it. So this wasn't like a mucking around type of thing. It was just no. trying to get authentic with the culture. I think you had to muck yeah. the drink. I think that that was uh, or muddle. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's it, more yeah, muddling around. Yeah, and it, and it does look like so. Maybe we sort of yada yada with the steps because it seems like to make terre at home. Uh, you take a bunch of leaves and you sort of like like very half-heartedly use a mortar and pestle and then you pour water on it and mm-hmm. then yeah. you have a drink well I, I i did a little research on this because i was curious um i and i thought you know it, coming up with a tar pit quiz about the national beverages around the world is probably a little bit lame even for me so <laughs> i did the research anyway yeah and um terra is basically it's a this is very impressive based. i mean this, the episode was only on an hour ago well, I, I we've knew been that podcasting for coming. 50 yeah, minutes. Terror yeah. turnaround is just super quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's well, it's you type in terror into Wikipedia and basically think of the mental stimulation. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I got vitality and vigor in spades, guys. <gasps> mm. So it's basically it's Yerba Mate, which is the tea 
based drink that you drink throughout South America, but most of the time you have it in a hot presentation. And this one is like a cold brew. So you oh. mash up and I don't know what the herbs are. Wikipedia doesn't tell you what the herbs are. It's just like medicinal herbs. Okay. You mash them up with the yerba mate and then you put cold water on it and let it brew. Mm. Do we th- do we think that D'Angelo and Gary suffered in part because they made their terroray wrong? That maybe a certain herb snuck its way in there that might have impaired their <laughs> mental and physical vitality? <laughs> it's possible. You would think that they would have had yeah, the uh, mental stimulation uh, to be able to accomplish anything after that. I can guarantee that somebody's got a story about taking the wrong kind of herb and winding up throwing a watermelon at a tree. I also, D'Angelo Williams has, I, I want him to be a mixologist in another life because his best like description perhaps. Yeah, well, the way he describes preparing the terroir was it involves beating up a bunch of plants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which means this is the role I was born to play. Yeah. These bloom fists are ready. D'Angelo Williams' number one claim to fame is as a flair bartender. Everybody knows that. Yeah. And he would go on to beat up a lot of fruit in this episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. True. Just all about I I would I think actually D'Angelo like cocktail style would probably do a backflip holding a shaker to shake up its contents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the movie Cocktail. That was one of the really? uh, yeah, when I was in college, that was one of the few uh VHS tapes we had at my house. <laughs> I, I could do a cocktail movie recap podcast uh, like that. If you want to have a you know, oh, well, post show recap theater or something. Yeah, somebody call the, Wiggler. The <laughs> Coglin's Law. Uh, <laughs> never sm- uh, stack a watermelon uh, with uh, the one side going horizontal. All right. Well, maybe Tom Cruise has been ingesting a lot of Terra Ray for years, and that explains a lot. That would explain <laughs> a lot. Explains his vitality. Yes. Okay. So, uh, Detour, stack your melons or use your melon? Just, do we have any idea, was this the original switchback uh, Detour names? No, because the original tasks, um, the watermelons were half of a Detour. And, Mike, do you remember what the other half of the Detour was, or do we need to look it up? So, actually, it's very pertinent to the roadblock from this episode. The Detour in Season 20, which is the first and only time they went to Paraguay so far, was stacked up. Or strung out uh, and stacked ah. up, or yeah, uh, yeah, stacked up was you know you obviously stacked the watermelons into a ten by ten period. Strung out, uh, you went to a local Terra Ray den and you really got involved with some seedy people. No, uh, it's actually just you. You went and you strung up a harp, and if you strung up a harp correctly, you then received the clue. Okay, so this was. N- for this double switchback, this was not the same detour as the season twenty episode. No, they took no. they took one half of the road, one half of the detour, and did a roadblock from that episode as the other half. Oh, that's crazy! I mean, they mixed. Like I was sold a bill of goods. goods. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a true double switchback. <laughs> they gave you the old switcheroo. <laughs> they pulled one over on me. I don't appreciate it. All right. I have to move on. Okay. I mean, they dealt with enough musical instruments. Like, I think it'd be weird if, like, okay, make this cello. Now, make this harp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, couldn't you make a trash harp? I mean, I think I'm looking at this photo of Jadis on my wall, and uh, I feel like that is kind of like what she was making. <laughs> oh, I forgot you had a canvas people mm-hmm. of Jadis. Yes, still hanging on the wall. So, uh, just Gary and D'Angelo are the first team to arrive at. Uh, you stack your melons and it would ultimately take them four hours i mean what were they doing wrong here could can we pinpoint it everything 
They were spending, they were more focused on, I think they thought maybe the hardest part of the task would be throwing the watermelons to each other. Yeah. They were way more focused on that than they were about <laughs> stacking the watermelons. They're like, oh, good, I caught it. And it's like, yeah, you didn't take it all the way down to the end zone, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think the issue and ultimately came to the top of the pyramid where D'Angelo sort of talks about it, where obviously it should come to a point. But I think the way that they were positioning the fruit in particular, it was sort of willy nilly. So it made more of a rounded top. And since it was, you know, triangle is the strongest shape uh, in existence. When it's more of a rounded triangle, (laughs) things are much more likely to fall apart than actually finding a point at the end. Are are you dropping facts on us, Mike? Is is this Cinderella from Paraguay? Is that uh, is the triangle the, the strongest shape? I mean, that's what a bunch of hours of Magic School Bus and Bill mm-hmm. Nye have taught me. So if they led me astray, I am screwed. I was okay. going to ask, Mike, if you ever did Odyssey of the Mind, because that's one of the biggest things you have to learn in Odyssey of the Mind. Well, I mean, I've, I built also enough of those like suspension bridges with like the the marshmallows yep. and, the, and the two picks, right? That like the thing about triangles is that if you push at it from any point, it's uh, sort of on the on its oppositional side is a line segment. So it's not like you're hitting another corner and then it can buckle. It's a much stronger uh, structure than just even like a square proper. OK, so would a three team alliance would have been a better way to go than a five team alliance? I mean, that's a little more manageable, especially considering that now they're going to they're five of eight teams at this point. But I don't know if that translates to a strategic purpose from a construction based perspective. I think that's the golden ratio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, final three. Next week, cantilevering. Mm. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, it was going to be Gary and D'Angelo being the only people working on uh, stacking their melons as more and more teams were showing up to use their melon. Uh, we're going to see um, uh, Will and James uh, working on this uh, pretty early on. And then we find out that they have been practicing this task. Just okay. Will they? Will we see a second task this season that Will and James practice? I mean, I have to hope so. I, mm. that this is, you know, forget the, forget the, the Phil Kogan cellular moments. This is the thing that we should be laying bets on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it depends on, I mean, if there is another switchback task, maybe there could be other similar types of tasks that they practice. But I actually think we sort of struck lightning here and then finding the exact task that was done in a previous season that was, explicitly brought back that they happen to have practiced for. I, I think this might be a moment we have to cherish and hold on to because I do not know if we'll get another one. This is like their slumdog millionaire moment. <laughs> <laughs> Just, did, how does this come up? Do they tell the producers like, oh my god, we practiced this. We have the footage. And they were like, uh, send it in. We'll put it in the episode. That's 100% what happened. Yeah. They're, in oh, their, yeah. they're in their confessional. They're like, we practiced this one. We already saw it. And we were even filming each other doing it. And production's like, yeah, we're going to need to see the tape. You don't think there's any chance that they got this after the fact, right? Oh, they, they could have totally faked it. Like, could this have like, been a dramatization? Said, Wait, so they just now happen to be good at it and then filled in the logic no, and history. No, they really did practice it. But yeah, were they filming they it? They staged the video. Yeah. Yeah. And so production was like, huh, I wish you guys had filmed it. And they're like, well, we'll go home and film it. Yeah. You can pretend. It's a little bit like in Tiger King, where I was like, how did they have all the footage? Like, how is all of this happening on video? Well, to everyone who is who filming had, this the Rob whole time? compares Will well, and James to Tiger King on their bingo card. Congratulations <laughs> on your win this episode. Yeah, but but I, I think, didn't they have that guy that was, oh, no, that, those tapes got destroyed. No, we're going down a rabbit <laughs> hole. We're, no, we're not going down the tiger hole. We're not doing it. 
Back it up. <laughs> he would also make things from trash that he got from Walmart. Yeah, also. I was say, Tiger yeah. sanctuaries are essentially the trash heap of zoos, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, teams were going to start having to uh, work on uh, doing this. You know, at one point, Gary and D'Angelo were talking about switching uh, detours. Just, uh, I don't think that Gary was ever going to finish the use your melon task. <laughs> No, but he sure didn't want to switch. I don't think I don't think he D'Angelo knew. was the, he, he knew. Was the yeah, yeah. D'Angelo I think yeah. would have had this no problem. I mean D'Angelo, I D'Angelo would have done it like done upside a, down. Yeah. Yeah. D'Angelo could have done a backflip with a bottle on his head. Yeah, but I, I think that I mean it's it's not exactly amazing race one on one. It's always a tricky balance as to like when you should switch. Like I actually do wonder in retrospect if Hung and Chi switching was the best idea. In this episode, because as we saw, again, I think one task was demonstratively faster than the other one. But congratulations, Hung and Chi. You are officially the first team to switch detour tasks this season. Granted, we've only seen two episodes of detours, but considering how often it happens, uh, I can imagine this will not be the last time. Yeah, I was surprised that they switched and uh, ultimately uh, gave up. Uh, Jess, do you feel like that for, for Hung and Chi? Was that surprising to you? It was a little surprising to me as well, because I wouldn't have guessed that they would have gone to the watermelons. And I know that they are also I don't think they're Will and James level super fans, but I believe that they are at least to some degree familiar with the Amazing Race franchise. Um, And I feel like this is a memorable enough thing that they would know how hard it is. Mm hmm. And they would know that they're at one task already. They're at the bottle dance. There is no chance that the other task is going to be that much easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it, it also I think your your decision to switch detours also depends on your position, in which case, you know, Hung and Chi, I think, were one of the first three teams to be at the bottle detour. They knew who they left behind at that point. So they're like, if they were struggling as much as we thought they were, we've still got a little bit of for lack of a better Mm -hmm. term, wiggle room. Let's see if we can, you know, fare better on the other task. Yeah, they had seen at that point that there were many teams that were having a harder time with the trash cello and teams that hadn't even shown up yet. So they had to know they had enough. They had enough room to try both things. And but it's just sad, though, because they missed out the opportunity Mm -hmm. to engage with our old friend, the sad trombone. (laughs) It's true. Just are you surprised that we see the yield when nobody uses it of in, in a leg? Like, are we just going to see this all season long? This is Chekhov's yield. Hmm. They keep showing it to us because they want to show you all of the chances that everybody had to yield. And then at some point, somebody is going to yield and it's going to be spectacular. But I think I mean, they also kind of hamstrung themselves by putting the yield on top of a clue board. And you have to show people getting their clue and having them tell you what it says. And then you see the yield there. And they have to explain why it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just you're you're explaining basically what they did in season five with the yield, yeah. which was it was only used the last possible time, yeah. but they kept showing it. I wonder because we talked about actually last week, especially in the tar pits, how much information can benefit players when it comes to actually utilizing new twists. It doesn't seem like the teams know how many yields will exist in the race. Is that a short sight? on the amazing races part do you think if they knew there were for example three more yields left that more teams would have used it this leg well we talked about that last week too because we talked about the fact that there are only two u-turns and they were told about it so i think you can extrapolate based on how many times we've seen the yield so far it's going to show up roughly every other leg mm-hmm. and i think everybody's just figuring it's 
if it's not going to make or break us at this point, let's not even bother with it. And that's why you don't see like you don't see the teams in front using it because they know they have a comfortable lead and you don't see the teams in back using it because there's nobody to yield because everybody else is in front of them. Mm -hmm. This was also not a good leg to have the yield because teams mostly didn't see each other all day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you see like, again, like Riley Madison say, hey, uh, not only are we going to be nice here, but we also know that two teams are not only far behind us, but very far behind us. It doesn't make sense for us to waste this now and we could possibly be using it down the line when we might actually need it. Unless if they were really trying to be good Alliance members, I think there's a chance they could have yielded Kaylin and Haley just to like make sure that Iswar and Aparna have a shot to survive. But they also didn't know how much their own Alliance members, Gary and D'Angelo, were struggling with those melons. Yeah. And I think like we saw, we saw Iswar and Aparna have no idea what place they were in mm-hmm. for most of the leg. And at, at that point, if you don't know who's behind you and who's in front of you, you definitely don't use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though that they had to be uh, reasonably safe that uh, that Kalen and Haley were behind them just to buy some extra time. Is that like uh, using the U-turn? Well, they had enough trouble that there it, it is plausible at that point that Kalen and Haley could have finished the cello task and rocked the watermelons. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't know that for sure, yeah. but it's it's plausible at that point. Yeah, going back to what we were saying earlier about the uh, difficulty of use your melon, really nobody seems to have that much uh, trouble with it. And all the teams, with the exception of Hung and Chi, who switched from it, uh, who were there, seem to get it relatively quickly uh, and make up a lot of time. Uh, we mentioned uh, Michelle and Victoria, how great of a job uh, they did. Only needed a couple of tries. Uh, Alana and Leo did a great job. Uh, were able to uh, really um, make up ground there, and then. For Iswar and Aparna, where Iswar was having uh, so much trouble in this episode, then they were able to uh, really, you know, uh, get through that relatively quickly and come in fifth place in this leg. Yeah, I really do wonder if it was just like a very easy learning curve when it came to like once you understood it was like she was talking about, like once you find the place to put the bottle on your head, I can imagine there is sort of a sweet spot depending on the state on the shape of your head where you can have you can move them out a reasonable amount of time and like still do a pretty good job. Granted, it wasn't like a one and done for a lot of these teams, but I think we are now in this task past the days of going through 50 bottles and then having to take a penalty. It, it does seem like maybe it was just because maybe they went through more than 50 bottles in the practice arena, but I, I think they were able to get the hang of it a lot more for whatever reason. Yeah. I have a theory on the amazing race 20 also that I feel like that maybe the teams were just uh, a little more heated in amazing race 20, where maybe this was a little bit more of a calm atmosphere. Yeah, three of the most dysfunctional teams in history were on that season. Yeah. I think they all tried yeah, it. Yeah. I, I did love like the shot from behind reference to Rachel Riley and her green team outfit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody was getting like uh, a little heated back then in the Miz yeah. 20. But also speaking of heated, I had forgotten that when they did the bottle task before, they were outdoors yeah. in the sun. And I think that may have also played a, a role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, also, I think were the bottles empty? Because that could also no, like there, there was. Bottle. I mean, they were wet, so I think there was at least some yeah. liquid in them. I don't know. I was surprised that like the Gen Zers in Paraguay don't now do a challenge where you bounce the bottle on your head and then flip it and see if it lands right side up on a table. Hmm. Okay. Maybe this could be the viral challenge that uh, Robin Akiva end up uh, putting through in the tournament this week. Exactly. Go international with it. Yeah. Why not? Um. 
Jess, so anything you want to add about the watermelon stacking task? Um, it's an entertaining task. Mm-hmm. I, I think watching everybody lose their entire mind at the stack of watermelons, it's like it's the perfect combination of difficult task and ridiculous object. Mm-hmm. So you have people getting really angry at fruit. And that makes good television. I I really also enjoyed Gary and D'Angelo at one point are throwing the watermelons at each other and they get intercepted by a tree. Mm-hmm. Well, the and thing I really is, felt like I love that. Well, neither was a quarterback. Gary, yeah. But Gary also yeah. does something where he says like, oh, we can't do this. Like the tree's in the way. And it almost seems like he purposely throws it at the tree to illustrate mm-hmm. his point. Like, don't you see? I'm throwing it 50 feet off, but I'm hitting this tree, so it's I'm too in the way, D'Angelo. I'm sorry. And then D'Angelo proceeds to move, and he, then he throws it directly at him. Like I think there was, to a certain extent, probably some pent-up anger and frustration between these two guys that I would not be surprised if they were just pegging each other with watermelons at a certain point. Yeah, and I haven't gone back and reviewed the game tape uh, like uh, James and Will do before they uh, review their tasks, but Uh, I feel like that D'Angelo Williams had good hands for a running back. I feel like that he would uh, be the guy that would catch a lot of passes out of the backfield. He seemed like he was doing a great job. I'm not. Uh, He he dropped some. Yeah. At the beginning, they were doing a really great job. They looked like they were going to ace it. And then they just sort of deteriorated over time. Yeah. Here's a question. Do we suppose that uh, Will and James also practiced the watermelons and determined that they were not good at them? <laughs> no oh, way. So yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to do the math. How many watermelons would you have to get to stack a 10 by 10 pyramid? So it's 10. Yeah. So it's 100 on the bottom, right? 10 by 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, plus, then like plus, eight, plus 90 81, and, yeah, plus then 80. 81. And then, yeah, so you're just 64. It's, uh, it's like 10 factorial, basically. Or no, no, no. It's like it's even more than that. So, yeah, that's like. Uh, so, no, it would be mid nine, so it would be 100 and then the second level would be 81 yeah yeah and, and then, then 64. 64 and then 49 like, i gotta get george in here there's gotta be a number blocks about this <laughs> yeah there's uh, suffice it to say it would be hundreds of watermelons i think yes. the state of california would have been bought out of produce if james and will had indeed tried that, to replicate no, yeah. the that's, challenge. How, that's how james and will got thrown out of trader joe's yeah <laughs> It's a good thing that uh, Jackson, no, also known as Mickey, <laughs> was not a part it. of this season. <laughs> he would have he would have stopped for a snack. Yeah, exactly. Him and Mama building these watermelons just would have had such a problem. All right, deep There's yes, really not many things better than really cold watermelon. Well, to be fair, these things were not cold. Apparently, they were festering in the sun for quite some time. Yes, very hot, very hot watermelon. Okay. Um, speaking, of, speaking of hot, actually, one thing that I did forget to mention from the um, randomly from the roadblock, there's a point when Michelle was jokingly trying to play uh, feeling hot, hot, hot on, yeah, I heard on the that. on the thing and it, her string broke and it was just a nice <laughs> unintentional callback to the steel drums, which which is another uh, song that's featured on that instrument. Just did that speak to you? I, I it definitely did. Mm-hmm. I, I like I like any time somebody tries to go for the bit and fails. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I would have loved to some if someone had taken it and be like, anyway, here's Wonderwall, and then just their entire thing falls apart. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Play that on the show. That's how you do yeah. a bit, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoyed Riley and Madison going to get their watermelons checked, and they're just like screaming at the guy the whole time see, while he's see, checking see, them. See, 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 see. Just like pestering yeah. him. 
Yeah, maybe, or maybe they were maybe trying to like accept clue. that idea in his head. Like for some reason, I'm thinking C. I don't know where that came from, but I guess I'll say C. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's either that or they were just trying to annoy him so much he gave him the clue so they'd go away. Mm-hmm. But Riley and Madison, it was a nice sort of like karmic balance, right? Where like they were first of the roadblock and they left in like sixth, and then they were third to arrive at that at uh, that watermelon task, and they finish in first. So it was like a little bit of a bounce back for the bros. Mm-hmm. It's a good job uh, for Riley and Madison. Yeah, I really want to go back now. I need to go back and watch that episode in season 20 to find out if the trick to stacking the watermelons is, in fact, to do Riley and Madison's strategy of building up one side at a time. And if you could have learned that from watching that episode. Yeah, I mean, I guess it makes more sense because if you're building up more so than across, because when you're building it layer by layer, you're more so building it across. If you have one side taken care of on its own. Maybe that maybe that's a more sound way to sort of take care of. Okay, well, one side's done. Now I just need to work on the other one and get it in balance with everything. I don't know. Uh, Maybe uh, write that down for the exit interviews one day, Jess. For Riley Madison. Yeah, and uh, Will and James can feel free to slide into our DMs and explain to us how that went when they were practicing it at home. (laughs) Sure, sure. Maybe they didn't do with, with watermelons. Maybe they got like oranges. Maybe they got like an assortment of fruits, like there was some cantaloupe, there was some honeydew, some grapefruit thrown in there, and that probably just fell through the whole thing out of whack. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know what? It really doesn't work with his bananas. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Jess, it turned dark pretty quick uh, for Gary and D'Angelo and Kaylin and Haley. Uh, Did you uh, get thrown off at all to the point where you thought that Kaylin and Haley had a chance to eclipse uh, D'Angelo and Gary? I, I see what you did there, Rob, with it's getting dark and they're going to eclipse. Yes, them. yes. Um, yeah, it was it was well edited. I think I don't think I really felt like Kaylin and Haley were in it, but I also mm. got the sense that D'Angelo and Gary were there much, much longer than they should have been. Four mm-hmm. so like, <laughs> Yeah, anything is possible. Yeah, anything is possible. And I. I do enjoy it when. The teams are at a task so long that the daylight goes away. Yeah, yeah. daylight come and nobody went home. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I kind of thought that Phil was going to show up at the task and say, like, all right, yeah. we're going to pull in the plug. Well, I do wonder I think- if, if it was an elimination task and Kayla and Haley were that far behind, I wouldn't be surprised if they do that sometimes with, like, the hurry up, like you said, Rob, where Phil was, like, there at the bottle task, like, all right, we're not even going to make you do this. You're eliminated. Go home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We seemed like Phil is much quicker to pull the trigger on these situations in the latter day uh, tighter budget Amazing Race. Mm-hmm. I think I wonder how long somebody would have to be at a task on a non-elimination leg for Phil to come and tell them that they're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I'm trying like, to think. Would he? Well, because I think in the in the past teams have. Like I'm thinking of Nick and Vicky in season 17. I remember they quit a detour in a non-elimination lake and they had to like make up the time in the next leg. So it could very easily be a thing where like Phil says, hey, because teams have also been sort of a bit hamstrung by hours of operation. Like Kaylin and Haley could have very easily gotten to the bottles. And for one reason or another, like the bottle place was closed. And so then I think Phil would have approached either they would have been forced to do the watermelons or Phil would have been like, you've been assessed a six hour penalty which will be given to you, you know, at the beginning of the next leg. Steep penalty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I know. It used to be 24 hours. Oh my God. Yeah. I know that Amazing Race Canada has all of these eventualities in place. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because there was that one crazy. Oh, yeah. One where everybody quit and then they were so far behind that one and a half of the detour closed and they couldn't complete it. And and that was a non-nomination leg. Yeah, it was. It was. And that was I think everybody quit every task at that point. Is that the one where they were also like on the beach freezing to death? Yeah, because that was the one where I think there was a roadblock where like one of them was buried in the sand. And then there was yes. the, and then the, it was the face off where they had to play like the water polo, I think. And nobody showed up for the face off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because all these teams were quitting tasks that so they just like immediately moved on to stuff. So that was listen, that made leg three look like a, a beauty pageant in terms <laughs> of just how how much the structure was there. It's far from a triangle. I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Gary and D'Angelo, we're going to come to the mat. Uh, Phil's uh, going to try to make Gary and D'Angelo feel like they're eliminated. You never give up. Uh, what, what if I told you uh, you're not the last team? Yeah, I, I like that he made them do their whole speech about what a great time yeah. they've had. I always like that. Yeah. And I, I think Phil enjoys messing with people. And maybe Gary and D'Angelo are going to be the designated, like, they're going to be the designated like butt monkey team for Phil. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. the uh, Alex and Connor. Yeah. Yeah. The Alex and Connor, or the mostly Connor. So maybe Gary is the Connor of this season. <laughs> yeah. Mike, I get the feeling that if Gary and D'Angelo lose that, I feel like that uh, Gary is not going to be able to ever live it down. I feel like every time he talks to D'Angelo the rest of his life, I feel like that D'Angelo will remind him of his screw up. If he's the cause of their loss. Well, I was going to say that's a big if, right? Because what if it's like D'Angelo does a roadblock and he screws it up? There's not much he can shunt off onto Gary. Mm-hmm. He might still blame Gary. Gary, He's damn it, you should have done it instead of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You should have had, believe you had me Gary. in there. Like, that should have been damn, you. you know, they do have a podcast, so we'll be able to watch this in real time. Damn it, Sugar. They get eliminated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got to tune into Cinnamon and Sugar the week after they get eliminated, and it's just going to be a free for all. Yeah. Ultimately, uh, Kaylin and Haley are going to get to the mat. Uh, would you be surprised to know uh, your last? <laughs> and that's and we knew as soon as Phil said that. It's like, all right, let's bring it on. Let's yeah. bring in the non-elimination. Classic we know this is happening. leg four, but non-elimination. Still, but still, a little bit of like a rug pull at the end when Kaylee and Haley get a last minute another personal story bump. They're just like, yeah, our dad's really sick and he can't afford medical treatment, <laughs> so we need money for him. Credits. Yeah. What? <laughs> Late stage capitalism. Yay. It's just like, wait, yo, uh, okay. What what are the details? How can I help? What what why Personal did you end story on this? bump at the end of the episode. Okay. <gasps> I mean, I guess it was I a book have a, I think I have a personal story speed bump next week also. Yeah, exactly. I was just I was just it was just such a weird thing that I'm not like an inspirational note of like, okay, we're going to have our heads in the game. We've got another chance. It's like, here is our sob story and credits. It's mm-hmm. just such a weird yeah. way to end the episode. Yeah. I do wonder that this was originally supposed to be a two-hour episode, mm, so uh, maybe that was feels a little out of place here tonight. Now, again, I don't know when. Just when they edit these episodes, do they know it's going to be. Oh, that's going to be two hours one night. I mean, they might have. Yeah, but they, you know, it's it's hard to tell. It does feel like that plays very differently if we go directly into the next episode. Yeah. Okay. Do you think that that could be maybe an omen not to do too much of an edit reading that maybe that, you know, the double personal story bump at the end of the non-elimination leg maybe does not speak well to their prospects next week? It could be or it could be foreshadowing that they go very far. It could be like the double secret Mm -hmm. uh, PSB fake out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I'm making stuff up. Love the PSB. (laughs) 
You know me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, I mean, at least they're going to be equalized because everyone's going to Paris now. Though, seemingly, it seems like we are sort of done, as Jess spoke about in the beginning of this season, with, like, the stratification of flights. Everyone seems to be pretty much on the same flight. So, Kaylin and Haley are going to be at a little bit of a disadvantage. But given the season, and given these teams, there is a very high chance that they are going to be able to make up ground on some sort of task, even if that speed bump takes a little while. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mike, how excited are you to see them driving themselves next week? Uh, Will has a meltdown, which is interesting because, again, of all the teams that would have practiced stick shift, it's got to be Will and James. Uh, So maybe this, you know, hopefully it's not a Bergen and Kurt situation where they just abandon the car in the middle of the Autobahn. But it it looks like, I don't know, it looks like Michelle and Victoria might be having some self-driving issues as well. But self-driving is always like a bastion of fun on the Amazing Race in that, you know, at least from a racer's perspective, sort of like you said, Rob, with Gary and D'Angelo, if you screw up, it's your own fault from a navigational perspective. You can be like Kelly and LaVon and get a bad taxi driver. But if you get lost on your own skills, like that's on you. So I think it's it's a more fun thing to watch as well, because we have yet to see teams do this. Yeah. OK, Jess, anything else to say about leg number four? Um, I I'm pleased with it. I didn't hate it. Um, I want to say that nine years ago when will started applying for amazing race was probably the day he went out and bought a stick shift car mm-hmm. but we can we can revisit that next week when we see it happen yeah um that was james that applied nine years ago mm-hmm. sorry guys <laughs> uh mike anything you want to add about this week's show just to to uh, capitalize on a point that jess made at the very beginning i mean if you look at the season so far the Volley Bros are the only team who have not placed sixth or below on at least one leg so far. And that is extremely fun to me. Like you said, like there hasn't really been a front runner. I think Hung and Chi and Will and James have certainly had very good legs, and the Volley Bros are by far the most consistent. But these teams and this course are teaching us that truly anything can happen on the race, which is the reason why you also watch the show. It's not to say like, oh, I can't wait for this team to come in first. It's really like a when Phil asks who will be eliminated next, it really is an open-ended question this season. Well, and and to your point, Mike, every single team that's left in the race has been at least fourth place or higher in at least one leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true as well. So, like, they know the the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, in a manner of speaking. And it'll also be interesting to see the shift from South America, where they spent three legs, to Europe. Because, uh, you know, Riley and Madison, for instance, had a big leg up in being able to speak the language uh, pretty well. And so I, I do wonder when you move from Spanish slash Portuguese to French, how much does that language barrier break down again? And how much does your success and your your route change uh, in the setting of a new continent? Yeah, it's been a fun season. There's been a lot of variants. Uh, there's been, you know, uh, sort of like the big pack of teams that have been working together. But from week to week, we've definitely seen some. Uh, it's not the same results week after week like we have on some seasons. Right. It looks, seems like, uh, you know, Leo and Alon are definitely a spoiler team in that effect. Like, I think there is I would be greatly surprised personally if these if the if the mine five make the top five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a very good chance you have like a Michelle and Victoria yeah. or a Leo and Alana sneak in there and one of those teams gets kicked out of that top five. Jess, do you think that there could be some sort of like a final destination uh, for uh, Kaylin and Haley where 
they sh- they potentially could have gone out on the you know uh decorate the uh pickup truck task and uh Leo and Alana saved them that week. Do you think that they might be the next team to be eliminated? It's not not going to be much longer for this race. Well, they've got a lack of momentum mm-hmm. going into the next mm. leg. So I I think it, they need to they need to benefit from everybody being on the same flight yeah. first of all. They did have a good finish and last then, week, to be yeah. fair. Yeah. yeah, I mean they've been they've been third place. That's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they have to hope that everybody's on the same flight to the next place, and that somebody else screws up big. Okay, all right. Which they could, given this crop of teams. <laughs> so, uh, anything else uh, to add before we uh, come back for the tar pits this week? So, I mean, as we said at the beginning, I think it, the, the schedule from now on is TBD. We could see another double episode as soon as next week. If not, it does seem like I'm assuming the week after is still going to be a double episode. I don't know if this means the finale gets pushed back a week, because I believe right now it was scheduled to end on December 16th. I don't know if they want to end it on the 23rd, so close to Christmas. So, obviously, there is a could have a second to- double episode also. Yeah, I think I would not be surprised if they just like shuffle together another double episode. Maybe they do it like the night before Thanksgiving or mm-hmm. something uh, just to sort of get it out of the way. But yeah, I'm I'm looking. Look, if a non-elimination episode can be this entertaining, I think that speaks volumes about a season. And I have been immensely enjoying this season so far, personally. OK, all right. We'll be back with the Tar Pits over the weekend. Send in your questions to Amazing Race at Rob has a website dot com. Just how else can our listeners participate in this weekend's Tar Pits? Uh, well, they can certainly, uh, they could add us on Twitter. They can add the two of you on Twitter and you can pass those things on to yeah. me because I'm on the social media fast, but you can tweet at Rob Sesternino or at Mike Bloom type with any of your questions. Um, you can also, um, if you have a game idea, you can also email the aforementioned Amazing Race account and just say, hey, Jess, I have a game idea. Can you flesh it out? And then I'll email you back personally. Amazing Race yeah, at Rob's website dot com. Yeah. And listen, if last week's hit game roofer wall is any indicator, like we are going to take something and we're going to run with it like Mm -hmm. Gary Barnage and a watermelon. Like, I I think I think what you mean, Mike, is we're going to take something. We're going to run it into the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, Listen, and then some. And we are so happy to do so. So literally any and every idea you might have of not even just games, but like stuff for us to talk about. For example, I loved talking about the Amazing Race merchandise last week, like really Mm -hmm. anything Amazing Race adjacent social media mm-hmm. included send us your way like the the least that could happen is is that we don't mention it but like we we're only three people there are certain corners of the internet we we do not explore naturally so like keep us abreast <laughs> thank god of yeah all right uh great stuff jess uh where can people check out more about what you're doing uh well you can come over to post show recaps that's where i'm spending most of my time these days um i am covering star trek discovery with this other dude right here the fabulous mike bloom we're having a good time doing that and we're also um josh wiggler and brandon chappelle and i are covering fear the walking dead and walking dead world beyond and for that podcast i will just say that watching the actual shows in question is very optional Mm -hmm uh we are we are entertaining whether or not you have any context whatsoever and it is one of the brightest bright spots in this season uh so those are the other places where you can find me okay and mike how about you mike what does your shirt say today 
Oh, I got a Jesse and the Ripper shirt. <laughs> I was going to make fun of that much earlier in the episode, but then I was like, the people at home can't see that. Yeah, yeah so people just want to imagine what my Jesse and it's, it's actually pretty. I mean, there's not really any like huge, uh, you know, graphics or anything. It's just a Jesse and the Ripper shirt. But of course, you know, I'm paying homage to what will become Hot Daddy and the Monkey Puppets uh, down the line in the Full House canon. But it's a gift from my sister for my birthday. Uh, You can follow me at a Mike Bloom type. So obviously no exit press this week from any of us due to the non-elimination. But I did a big catch up for Big Brother exit interviews I did on Monday uh, after giving some time for the contestants to sort of debrief. They certainly had some thoughts as to their game and the games of others. So check that out at Parade.com. Just mentioned covering Star Trek Discovery. I will put out a personal endorsement that I think this coming episode of Star Trek Discovery, the one that actually probably should be out on CBS All Access by the time people listen to this, might be one of my favorite episodes of the series so far. So I'm really excited to talk with Jess about it. It's going to be a great time. Of course, Josh Wiggler and I are going down the hatch talking expose, which should be another sort of hot mess episode. And of course, uh, as I mentioned, actually, on Posha Recaps Theater, I got together with Josh and Emily Fox to talk about Austin Powers. I think we're actually going to make that public to even non-patrons, because I think we all need a bit of a laugh right now, and it's literally just the three of us quoting Austin Powers for an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, you know, maybe most excitedly of all, Rob, you and I and Josh Wiggler are starting the gears very slowly on the Brant Steel machine. It's been a while, but I think we are finally ready. It's been a long, long time ago since we've done a Brant Steel proper here on RHAP, but I, I think... It is time to gun it and uh, and see where it takes us. <laughs> okay. All right. What do you- I, I, I just want to say I was in the boardroom when this decision was made and it was like, what do the people need? And everybody unanimously said this. Yeah. Okay. So uh, be on the lookout for, uh, I mean, are we uh, teasing it, Mike? Or uh, I mean, we can say, it. I mean, we'll just outright say it's a Star Wars brand steel. Star Wars brand steel coming on RHAP uh, in celebration of the Mandalorian post-show recap. Uh, I got to check out the first episode of the new season of The Mandalorian. Uh, I have not listened to the recap podcast yet, but I need to bounce it up to... I've uh, been so distracted uh, the, the last couple of days, but I will find some time to check out Can't imagine why. the Mandalorian uh, post-show recap. I watch, you know, I watch it with my kids. Are they all? Are they all in on Baby Yoda? All in on Baby Yoda. I have to say it was a light uh, Baby Yoda episode uh, to kick off uh, Mando season two. Yeah, fifty something minutes, but very little baby Yoda. Very little baby Yoda. Uh, he's a you know big big hit at our house. All right, uh, so be sure to check that out. That's going to be in our podcast feed. Of course, you can subscribe to our Amazing Race podcast feed at robhasawebsite dot com slash tar podcast, and of course, uh, be part of all of our patron shenanigans at robhasawebsite dot com slash patron. Have a good one, everybody. Take care. Bye.